Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast today. The headline is going to look at the college football playoff rankings. Try not to vomit at how bad those were. We're also going to evaluate teams that are in the quarterback market entering the 2021 NFL Draft. A quick touch on the Offensive Rookie and Defensive Rookie of the Year conversation, and then our classics, previewing the NFL and college football slate while looking at prospects and rookies to watch. Let's get it. studio with my dog mike renner here live on youtube also where you find your podcast right now while you're listening go ahead stop the podcast rate review and subscribe we need those subscribes we need those ratings we need those five-star ratings might as well light us up for that mike how you doing today i'm doing fantastic got some very good news on the drive-in this morning oh my goodness about the banks dude where i live. Let, let, let's set the table for these okay. people here in cincinnati the bar scene is okay it's pretty good it's okay that's a down by the Ohio River, down by the Ohio River, there is this strip called the Banks, where there's a strip of bars, and it's between Paul Brown Stadium, where the Bengals play, mm-hmm. and uh, Great American, where the Reds play. It's like, like one road between two, two ferns, raise you between two stadiums. Yeah, just say it's on the Banks. It's on the Banks. That's that's why it's called. It's on the Banks of the Ohio Love River. It, yeah. That's why it's called the Banks. Quinn, uh, Cincinnati faithful, born and raised, knows very well the Banks is where it's at. That's where I live. I live there. And we yeah. just got news that by opening day next year, they are going to turn the Banks into an open container park for adults. Yeah. Right? It's going to be insane. They're going to let open container. They're going to not let cars drive through it. Everyone's going to be outside. It's going to be insane, dude. It's it's going to be absolutely insane. If, if the vaccine comes myself, through and we're actually able to hang out with other people, it's going to be – I don't know if I'll leave. I might be spending the night at your house every night. I, yeah. I don't know. And, and it's going to be me next year. I turn 27 in May of next year. I'm going to be like that guy, that Eagles fan before the game where he's like, I'm in the best shape of my life. Play, Quinn, I need you to play the clip for everybody. We're running out of guys out here. We're on reserves. Practice squad guys. I'm ready to roll if they need me. I'm 26 years old. I'm ready to roll. I played two years. Varsity. Varsity. I'm in the best shape of my life. Let's go, Eagles. Yep, right there. That's going to be me on the banks next year. Cannot wait for that. Oh, man. It's going to be. I think my rent's going up, yep. but I'll gladly pay more. Another thing I wanted to bring up was that there are people right now, before we get into the NFL stuff here, there are people right now overreacting to Queen's Gambit. I think Netflix made a report that 70 million households have watched it, the most Most by any Netflix series ever. And it was good. Let's call it what it is. It was good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think I would after seeing the trailer. I was like, this kind of looks... Not interesting at all, but it was. It, it was very interesting. The main actress is very good. She's very you attractive she's as well. You, very yeah, attractive. Let's just call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. Very attractive. But people calling it like the best show ever. I, I You saw a tweet that said the ending was the best. Yes. I don't. I can't remember who tweeted it. Someone said that it was the best. Like, is was that asked the question, was that the best final episode ever? And I was like, I so I went with high hopes. And the ending was easily the worst part about it. Yeah, Not the ending to spoil was it, terrible. But. She goes through this entire. Nope. Well, yeah, yeah, that's. I'm not going to spoil it, but okay. it, it's some just, of us haven't seen it yet. It's just, it's just awful. It's just awful. The ending is just way too. I'll say it like this: the ending is just a little happy, too happy go lucky for me. All right, let's jump into something else we can get upset about: the college football playoff rankings. Oh. Everyone and their mother gets so upset at these things, and, and rightfully so. Right now, I what are your biggest upset. gripes? And it, tell me why it's Florida and Iowa State and where they're currently ranked. So Florida 
ranked fifth, or excuse me, sixth last week at eight and one, giving them kind of this outside shot of making the playoffs. They lose to an unranked LSU team who was not good this year. By any stretch of the imagination, not good. They drop one spot in the playoffs. They, only Iowa State jumped them. That is, what are we doing here? If a two-loss, and, Iowa State and, and the Iowa State thing is the <laughs> other, just absurd. Iowa State lost to Louisiana. They lost to a group of five school. They are ranked sixth in the college football playoff right now. Cincinnati hasn't lost to a single group of five school. Has played a bunch of them. Has played all the best ones also. Has all had one close game all season. Drops in these rankings after not playing a game. Georgia jumps them after beating a five and four Missouri team now. What do we like? Why are you even ranking them at this point if you're just not going to give them any credence for how they've played? Like, and to say, even if you're going like saying based solely off talent, Cincinnati has draft talent. Like, this isn't oh, a absolutely, this isn't just like some random, this isn't Hawaii that one year when they went 13 and 0 with uh, Tommy. Chang at quarterback or whoever was back. No, it wasn't. It was Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan at quarterback. Tommy Chang. He was. He was. I mean, he was the former quarterback. Why? This isn't like that. Like they have probably six guys on that team that will get drafted, and their quarterback is might be like a day two pick whenever he does declare. This is a legitimately talented team by any sort of measure in college football. They're just getting boned right now. And I, and I went into the season like Liam Pooting, who our friends are all like UC uh, fans obviously here in Cincinnati, went to UC, like roasting them. But they they deserve to be if one of these teams slips here, if Ohio State loses like this weekend, if uh, someone, if Clemson loses again. Cincinnati deserves to be there. They are legitimately one of the best teams in the country. May, like maybe on a neutral field, they lose to Florida. Maybe they lose to Texas A&M, whatever. But they haven't played. Like Cincinnati has showed up every single week. And they're, like I said, an NFL talented team. I think they're just getting boned right now. I, I think the best way it was put, and I'm going to read the rankings before I say this it's yeah, Alabama, than Notre State. Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, then outside the playoff right now, Texas A&M at five, Iowa State, that is eight and two, that lost to Louisiana earlier in the season at six. Then you have a two loss Florida team, a two loss Georgia team, and then you have Cincinnati undefeated at eight and oh there at the nine spot. And I think Nicole Auerbach, uh, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, the athletic writer said it best when she asked the committee what's the point of playing the games if this is how you're going to rank these teams like you are building this so much off priors you're building this so much off confirmation bias that what's the point of playing the football games if it's going to be such a subjective system to put them in i, I saw someone recently you know talking about this whole ohio state's five and oh usc's five and oh and the difference is so vast and that is largely confirmation bias ohio state only has one win against the top 25 team this year and, and USC has none yet. Mm. Well, let's watch Ohio State games compared to watching USC. No, I, 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 t- yeah. I totally understand that. I'm I totally saying like that. even like the closeness of them, like that should matter. Yeah, yeah. It's if true. you're eking out a win against Arizona State, before verse thirteen, team, but, yeah. I mean, it still yeah. it still feels a little bit low. Regardless, the the college football playoff rankings are so subjective that it's easy to get. Frustrated. I will say, I do have a problem with the theoretical talent level being taken into account, and so like you said, the on field not mattering nearly as much. Like. It just teams like Alabama or, like I said, Ohio State or Clemson, who in the beginning of the year are thought to be great, can misstep two or three times and still be included in this because their theoretical talent level is higher than everyone else. And and at that point, why even include the group of five in the conversation? just start the playoffs week one then if that's like how you're going to do it. And you, I, I don't think people know this, but you are against expanding the playoff. We've had this conversation yeah, before. You I do not want good. an expansion of the college football playoff. No, because you get in teams like you should deserve to be there. I, I don't think you're ever going to have more than four teams that 
played throughout a full season and deserve to be there. If you lose two games in a season, you don't deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. If you lose like a game in an ugly fashion, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. You can't have a claim then to be like Texas A&M, one loss, going to finish with one loss. You got blown out by Alabama. You don't have a case to make mm-hmm. college football playoffs. Sorry. My, my counter to that is, like, and you I, got blown I get, out by I get a team. the upstanding. I'm not saying you don't have a case for college football playoffs. You don't have a case to be the best team in the country. And I think it's trying to include every team that has a best as a case to be the best team in the country at the end of the regular season. My counter to that, as much as I want it to be all about who the best teams are, they need to be in the playoff, I'm looking at it from a content perspective. The reason March Madness is so popular is the Cinderella story. It's the underdogs. It's people rooting for these small schools beating big schools. And I'm not saying expand the playoff to 64 teams like the NBA can, or not the NBA, the NCAA can for basketball, but moving it to eight and allowing some of these Cinderellas in and let them get beat by 30, let them get beat by 25, like... You know, the round of, you know, the mm-hmm. you know, one seed versus 16 seed often is in March Madness. But just give us a taste because people want to root for an underdog. People want to see monster upsets. Those are the best games every yeah. year. These big, you know, upsets late in games. Like, that's what people want from a content perspective. And you can hear the group of five stop complaining. We can stop crying about the college football playoff rankings every single year. And we can just let the eight best teams in or the six best teams, whatever we can do. Yeah, so I, just get some more Cinderella's in. I don't think eight makes sense. If you are going to expand it six, I would like where you get double buy. You get a buy from. Mm-hmm. One and two. The two first two seeds get a buy. Would get a buy. I, I would be on board with that. That would be the that would be the most I would ever take it though, because then that would favor being you know going lights out like you know like Notre Dame and Alabama have been easily the two best teams in the country this year. That would favor them if if that was if you did expand it to six where they get the buy, um, and it would you'd be able to include the Cincinnati's of the world. Mm-hmm at that point more easily all right let's go ahead and jump into our next segment here let's look at teams in the quarterback market you're going to you tiered these into drastic still could probably should yes and then thinking about the future you know teams with older quarterbacks is obviously what that tier is if you want to start with the drastic tier list the teams and i can kind of react to these yes okay oh i tried to keep this fairly tight to where this isn't arguable but there is one that might be that fans of this respective franchise may have a visceral reaction to as they've been known to in the past got the jets pretty obvious jaguars sorry about gardner Minshew. austin it didn't work out with you and him it didn't uh, even though you still got the honorary mustache with him <laughs> broncos that's the one where it's like they still they still got a little soft spot for drew lock but i i would classify it as a drastic need bears Patriots and the football team at this point. That those are that's the tier I would say you got to do something. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't go into next season with what you got right now. That's interesting. And my my reactions immediately are Jets and Jaguars are obvious and they're going to be in positions to yeah. get a really really good quarterback, one of the two best quarterbacks in this class. The Broncos, you better figure it out. Do not hang your hat on Drew Locke because he's having a couple good games late. He's been one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the NFL this year. He's one of the lowest graded passers from a clean pocket, lowest graded passers when pressured. Do not overthink this. If you have an opportunity to make an upgrade at the position, whether that's through free agency or in the draft. Well, it's like, you don't, it's not even like have the opportunity for an upgrade. It's like, go seek out the opportunity. Yes. For an upgrade. You know, it, yes. it's not just, oh, a quarterback fell into our lap. It's go, no, go do something about it. You have to. You have to. You cannot continue to live in this purgatory. Because even if Drew Locke continues to have this middling success where he's pulling out wins late in the season and keeping you outside of drafting in the top eight, that's a problem. That's not where you want to be. Yeah. You do not want to be drafting you know, 9 to 15 every year because Drew Locke's kind of okay sometimes. That's a problem. That's a bad quarterback. You need to make an upgrade at the position. His ceiling, and I hate talking about theoretical ceilings, but just from a stylistic standpoint and 
from his level of action, yes, Josh Allen like changed his accurate, like got far more accurate. But Josh Allen's also a much better athlete than Drew Locke, just in terms of you know, physically what he brings to the table. I feel like Drew Locke's kind of like s- theoretical ceilings, Matt Stafford. That's not the Lions not, have been in a terrible and, and position, like, and, and like Matt Stafford is your quarterback purgatory. We'll get to that later, but and he's the Lions are in a different tier here, but that's really if that's your if that's what you're hoping for you better go you better go get someone else i agree i agree and i also have a gripe because i think this brings up the conversation i hate how much fan bases want to not give up on their quarterbacks after they're drafted i hate how much it's such well, a conversation I, I think it's because of the word you just used there give up mm-hmm. like okay. it's not giving up like that's what you have to realize that drafting another quarterback doing something is not giving up do oh gosh I'm gonna I'm blanking on the name right now but people realize that when the Cowboys drafted Troy Aikman in the supplemental draft that year they also drafted a quarterback in the first round. It's because they re- like realize you have to realize that quarterback is that important that you can't just leave it up to chance. Gosh mm-hmm. I, I'm blanking on the quarterback's name now off the top of my head but that same year in the supplemental draft they drafted a quarterback with a first round pick. The problem I have with it is it's it's this like you're on, it's on the edge here you're you're on the left side it's you are 100 percent regardless of what he does every single week pouring support for this guy the Raiders fan base is a very good example of just pouring support into Derek Carr or even the Bears a few years ago pouring support into Mitchell Trubisky but then it gets to this point where it's a couple bad games while everyone's been saying he's been playing poorly he's been playing poorly that they turn and then immediately they want his him and his family in a dumpster like you have to you have to be unbiased as a fan and I know it's kind of the opposite of what the word is fanatic an absolute Mm -hmm. fanatic of my team win lose or tie Raiders till I die that's how people are but when you're looking at the quarterback position, if you look at it with any level of bias, you're going to hang your hat or tie yourself to coattails that you don't want to be on. Mm-hmm. I just mix like seven phrases together, but I, I, I just think the quarterback position is one where as a fan, it's appropriate to look at the data. I'm not saying it doesn't always have to be PFF grades. Have your gripes with PFF grades if you want, but there's enough data out there to tell you who, which quarterbacks are playing well and which aren't. And it's a lot of data that's very stable year over year, which, mind you, PFF passing grades are one of the most stable metrics for quarterback play in the NFL right now, year over year. So looking at quarterback grades, specifically ones from a clean pocket, you can get an idea of whether or not this quarterback's making the right steps. And I know people can improve. Josh Allen has improved significantly, but you need to, with Drew Locke right now, you need to start to have the conversation that if you're in a position to make an upgrade, go seek it out. The only other team, two teams I'll mention in that, and we can move to the next tier, are the Bears, Patriots, and football team are in a drastic situation to make an upgrade, but in a bad position to do it. You know, they don't have yes. – the Bears don't have draft capital to make it happen. Football team's playing their way into the, drafting in the 20s, and the Patriots are in a similar spot as well. All of these guys are going to be kind of crossing their fingers for Mac Jones, maybe Trey Lance to fall, maybe uh, obviously Kyle Trask of Florida, and then even the day two, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, Jamie Newman, mm-hmm. Derek King's probably not playing quarterback at the next level, but like it, it, it's a tough spot to be in that drastic tier and drafting outside the top fifteen. Yeah, I would be. It's gonna be interesting to see if one of these teams makes a real play, a la the Eagles and the Rams. You know when they that was at sixteen where they both just moved all the way up in the draft. They were drafting the outside of the top 10, both moved way up, both just sold the farm to move up to one and two overall. It'd be interesting to see if one of these teams does that. The The one to me that I'm looking at is the Bears because Turbo, whatever, great game this past week. If they sell themselves on them with a few great games at the end of the year, that would blow my mind and also crack me up as a Packers fan. I 
I think every Packers fan's hoping that happens, actually. Um, but Ryan Pace, this you're in a – I feel like he's in a situation to where, like, Bob Quinn uh, and Matt Patricia were in last year with the Lions where it's like they got to win now or else he's out if they retain him for this next draft. It's kind of a scary position to be in for where they're at, and he it could end up with him – giving up that whatever they're at pick 15 right now in terms of draft standing, giving up that, giving up a few first rounders to go up, shoot the moon to get one guy. I would be, I I would be scared. That's like, if you're a bears fan, that would, that would be a scary position because he's, you know, been willing to give up picks. They've not had a lot of high draft picks because of his willingness to give them up the cool Mac trade. Obviously Uh, I, I'd just be a little wary if he, if he was retained this offseason, just what the plan is, I'm I'd, I'm interested to see what it will be. And, and for the football team, I was on Washington DC radio recently, and they asked me about you know Alex Smith's winning football games, and you know Dwayne Haskins came as a backup, and, and he's a game manager, he's helping us, we have a good defense. Can we build a team around Alex Smith? And I said, Let, let's talk, let's talk about it. In the NFC playoff race, is there a single team that the Washington football team wouldn't be dogs to, according to Vegas? No. And why? Because the offense cannot. You know, raise the ceiling to beat other really good offenses in the postseason with Alex Smith, a quarterback. He's a game manager, always has been, and the ceiling of that offense is capped. And unless you're going to build around this defense and add, add offensively, you know, re-sign Brandon Scherf, keep Terry McLaurin, add another receiver, maybe Will Fuller in free agency, and try and build up the supporting cast around a quarterback that only plays to the level of it, that's just a hard way to win football games in the NFL. It's not easy. You need to have a quarterback that elevates your supporting cast that's a perennial top five, top six player in the NFL to make a legitimate dynasty run. But if you want to like try and hobble together wins and and stress a wild card playoff push every single season, keep Alex Smith. Continue yeah. to dump money at other positions. But I don't think that's the way. You need to find the guy at quarterback, not a guy, the guy. Yeah, and his honestly emergence is almost bad for them. Long yes, term. yes. Because they, one could talk themselves into him, and he has a pretty big cap hit next year. Twenty two million look like almost a lock to be a cap casualty. Now, if they retain him, you go into that. Like their defense is good enough, they are probably going to end up around the eight and eight range. It's just not where you want to be. You'd rather just cut him, get that cap space, and then address the quarterback position elsewhere. Obviously, it's not going to be Dwayne Haskins, though. All right, let's move to the still could, probably should tier here. Read off the teams. All right, I have the Carolina Panthers, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, and then I put question marks next to these, next to these last two because this one's more of the still could, mm-hmm. not necessarily should. You got the New York Giants and Las Vegas Raiders. That is interesting. I know. Let's get to the Giants and Raiders at the end because the question marks are, are putting fan bases on tilt. Again, it's these fans. They're like, you're going to hate on Derek Carr. He's having a career year. What are you guys doing? He looks like 2016 version. Calm down. Yeah. Let's chill. Daniel Jones is having the best season of his young career. Looked a lot better this year than he has. In I would hope so. Years. I would hope it wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously not as bad as it was last year. But let's talk about the teams that are in that, you know, without the question marks. The, the, the Carolina Panthers are in a tough spot. They gave Teddy Bridgewater this money. And they're not going to be necessarily in a position to draft one highly unless they lose a couple more football games. They could be in that position to add the third best quarterback in this class, whether they think that's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. The Eagles, they're also going to be in that tier where if they want to make an upgrade over Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, but Carson Wentz is such a big cap hit. Can you afford to do that? Can you afford to have Carson Wentz on the bench with a rookie quarterback? That's the thing. They're kind of in a situation where they've paid a lot of guys. They are in in that win now window where like they're, they're not going to sign free agents. They have a lot of money committed to the next couple of years to that roster. And it's older. It's on the older side. So you don't, you can't just cut bait really necessarily and just kind of scrap and say, start over. 
you're not in the position to do that unless you start cutting a bunch of guys, trading a bunch of guys. Um, so I think they're kind of in the no man's land where they just got to roll with this and hope that something turns around. They're in the a tier by themselves. They still could, probably should, but likely can't make an upgrade at the quarterback mm-hmm. position with just how big Carson Wentz's cap figure is. And as for the San Francisco 49ers, are they not in a similar spot? What's the, the situation with Jimmy G's contract? Jimmy G, they can get out of. That's the biggest part about that. They could save themselves like $20 million in cap space by cutting him next year or trading him. I think and that it, makes a ton of sense. That one, I think they just got to. Like, what do you think Jimmy G gets point. on the open market in a trade? Not a first rounder. I, I don't know if, I mean, maybe from the Bears. That would be a, I, don't know who's, I don't know who would do it, though. Like, he's just, the mm-hmm. injuries have piled up at this point, the inconsistency, and I think everyone kind of realizes hey, you know, quarterbacks play well under Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. They don't always play well under other office quarterbacks. Right then and there. You know? That's an exercise I would do as a front office member, as a GM, whoever it may be, yeah. and say, what do you think we get for our starting quarterback in the open market? And if I get any hesitation like that from my guys, who are like, hey, I don't know, maybe a second rounder, and it's like, okay, we got to go. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we can't get a first rounder for my quarterback, we don't have the guy. I'm sorry. Good, yeah, and if we can get a $20 million good, cap hit off up. the books, yeah. Then we, then we move on from him and try and make a play for Zach Wilson or Trey Lance because they're in that position as well. Mm-hmm. They lose a couple more football games here, which they probably should. They can make an upgrade at the quarterback position. Give Kyle Shannon an actual good quarterback. Sam Monson was saying this on the NFL podcast. Imagine Kyle Shannon with an actually good quarterback. I mean, it looked like the Packers offense this year because that's basically what they're running. And not, not identical, but they're, they're running a lot of similar stuff. All right, let's jump to these question marks I, here. I also do want to say Panthers – they're the one team on this list that kind of has to pull the trigger, in my opinion. Yes, you have Teddy Bridgewater, but that is that's Alex Smith a decade younger, you know, and for what he brings to the table. Great backup, can win you some football games, will not take you to where you want to go. He's I think he's a quintessential quarterback in that mold. They have the weapons to be an explosive passing offense. He is holding them back to a degree, I'll say. I think he is. And with Teddy Bridgewater's contract, I'm pulling it up right now, is there an opportunity to hit for hit them to get out of that, or is he kind of locked in to be at least a backup next year, depending if they you know try and swing the bat on a rookie? No, they they may they set it up as such to where it's not I think they can get out of it here. Gotcha. All right. Well let's go ahead and jump to the two question mark teams. Let's start with the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr can be cut out of his contract after the season for just two point five million dollars in, in 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 dead cap. And that would save them, I think, close to twenty million dollars. And then obviously he won't be there for the 2022 part of his contract. That's if they want to do that. On a trade market, I think Derek Carr could actually have some value as well. If you wanted to trade him because he's been, I think you know what you're getting from Derek Carr. I think you understand he's he's accurate. You understand that he can learn the offense. He's confident. He's a leader. All that type of stuff. But is he that guy that can win a Super Bowl with this Raiders team? Because the Mm -hmm. supporting cast right now has to be good for Derek Carr to win a Super Bowl, period. And the supporting cast in Las Vegas will not be good for two or three years. There's not a single player on defense worth building around right now. Maybe oh, one or two. I was going to say, I know offensively they have a lot. Like that's a, one of the top five offense line in the NFL. They have a solid set of wide receivers. Like you're, you're going to – he's in a good situation, I'll say, for him to put up numbers. Mm-hmm. Now to win games, it's not that great a situation. But I mean, that's been verified this year. Defense, like yeah. I think their offense has been the best it's ever been with Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Maybe not his 2016 season, but very close to it. And they've invested in the offensive line. They've added receivers. They have Josh Jacobs, the first round running back. But let's be realistic as Raiders fans. Let's put our Raiders fans hats on. Do you think this football team in the next two to three years will be good enough, good enough from a talent perspective to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr? And I think if you take the, if you take the bias out of it, you'd say no. And if that's the situation, 
move on from Derek Carr to a team that can probably win or go deep with Derek Carr. Let them take that shot. A team with a good defense, a team that does have a good supporting cast that's missing just a consistent, accurate quarterback mm-hmm. at the position. I, I do think they could get some value there, and the Raiders can be better reassess and say, hey, we need to move on from Derek Carr. This is a rebuild. This defense and this even this offense is going to miss some pieces as well. Is too many pieces away to continue to you know, work with Derek Carr under center. I will say it has surprised me. John Gruden, known for just, you know, belittling his starting quarterbacks, always loving the backup more than the guy who's there under center throughout his, you know, coach career previously with the Raiders and with the Bucks, that he's kind of pigeonholed himself into Derek Carr this long. That, like, his eye hasn't had that wandering eye. I know they signed Marcus Mario this offseason, but, like, hasn't thought about, hasn't had one draft prospect really catch his eyes. Maybe that's going to be... My guy, because he has the longest leash, probably if one of the longest leashes of any coach in the NFL. Like, yeah. He is going to be their coach. Max going to be their GM for the foreseeable future. I I, I just am surprised that, or I guess it wouldn't surprise me if this offseason they miss the playoffs again, if it's not working out again. And the offense has been a lot better. Like Derek Carr is a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. He's just not a top eight starting quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL. So I think he's... I think they could. This could be an offseason where he could be a trade candidate for sure. I think. I think it would be smart to do. I think it would be smart to trade Derek Carr because I, I, <clears> I think you're getting him at the top of the market as well. Yeah. This is easily the best we've seen Derek Carr play yeah, since 2016, thing. and yes. I think there are enough teams in the NFL better than Jimmy G. The I mean, you're going to get yeah. better than what Jimmy G could get. Like if you're the 49ers last year and you trade Jimmy G after the Super Bowl run, and obviously like they were never going to do that, but they, that's just kind of unrealistic. But what you would have gotten then probably first rounder maybe additional picks versus what you'd get from now like you said maybe a second rounder if that is a like that's a sizable difference that you have to be able to objectively evaluate and say this guy's fine but we can do better man imagine if he went to the bears i think Derek carter the bears with Matt Nagy could actually work you know yeah. he, he makes good decisions with the football when it's not fourth down, he's not throwing the ball away. He's a bit conservative, but he's accurate. And I think Matt Nagy could probably win with Derek Carr. I don't know. It's yeah. an interesting conversation. Let's and, jump to the Giants. And, and the whole sort of people are going to jump on us for being like, why, again, why are you giving up on these guys? He's he's a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. I think the whole conversation relies around the fact that there's never been more talent at quarterback. You you have options out there. Mm-hmm. You could sign Jameis Winston, who just led the league in passing yards. Like that's. You could sign Teddy Bridgewater. Like quarterbacks hit free agency now that can come in and start and aren't complete trash for you. You can sign Cam Newton, who was like, yeah, he's had struggles there in New England, but he's also what won as many games as Derek Carr is this year. It's a self-awareness thing for me. So you can, like, you can admittedly say that Derek Carr can be a top nine to twelve quarterback in the NFL, and that's a very good quarterback. But this roster is not going to be good enough to support that nine to twelve quarterback all the way to a Super Bowl yeah. for another two to three years. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. I mean, you were calling for Paul Gunther's head, but there's so many new players on that defense that aren't playing well. That's, mm-hmm. that's a fact. Uh, it, it's tough in Las Vegas right now. It's an interesting situation. The conversation is very good. New York Giants, I'm going to say this right now. I don't think they should. I don't think they should. Give Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones a third year, especially with their draft position. I, I don't think they're going to be in a position to make – do you think Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, say the first four quarterbacks are off the board? Yep. By the time they're picking. Do you think Mac Jones or Kyle Trask are an upgrade over Daniel Jones? I don't know. Yeah, no but, one knows. I, obviously, no one knows. But do you think it's worth that risk? Um, where are they going to be at in the draft? They're going to be in the middle. <sighs> yes, I think it is. Really? Yeah. 
I think that's if that if that's the answer, then I, I then I do think you pull the trigger. If your front office is confident in Mac Jones or, or Kyle Trask, say one of them can be an upgrade over Daniel Jones, you swing to that. But if you're not, it's which just, I think there's some reasons to not be, I, I think you stay put and try and build around him just that third year, add to the offensive line, add more receivers. Mm-hmm. They, they need more receiving talent and, and continue to build on defense and say what you want about Joe Judge. That defense thing, is playing it's one well. first round pick. One first round pick and like one Hiray, one first round pick is like not great. Like it's not a sure thing for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's one player uh, that honestly they've been drafting like nose tackles and true. Safety, well, you'd have to make some investments in free agency too. I mean, you have to stuff. bring in a Will Fuller. You have to add, like you have to bring in one of the top receivers in free agency. You have yeah. to try and find ways to build up that offense. Yeah. But do again, we keep bringing it up the Brandon Bead method, where you just throw the kitchen sink at resources to support your own quarterback and see if it works, and it has. And in Josh Allen's third year, who yeah. played like ass in 2018 and 2019, Daniel Jones could be in a similar spot. But that was developmental. Like he's actually actual physical development that the likes of which no one's ever seen before. Also, yeah, no, true. I'm not saying yeah. everyone's going to make that big Josh Allen third year leap, but Daniel Jones can at least marginally improve maybe with a better situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Call me crazy. They also have one of the better, better head coach, offensive coordinator tandems in the NFL. Like that, that is just such a good situation uh, yeah. for any quarterback playing. And then you factor in that Josh Allen has all this natural ability. It, it's it's crazy to think about the value of coaching and the situation. And mm-hmm. then you insert a guy that can do things athletically and with his arm that others can't. That's and, the thing. It's like Daniel Jones like is not that guy though. So like true. He's, he is. I, I just want to say like he is who he is at this point in terms of what he brings to the table with an arm from an arm perspective. I, he kind of seems like a guy who is is capped because he does the little things well. Like it's, it's not that. It's the pure. Uh, it's the high end he doesn't do well. Exactly. Will he ever do end. the high end well? That was not the problem with Josh Allen. He did the high end well dating mm-hmm. back to Wyoming. When I was covering the well, game from Laramie, Wyoming, a little San Diego State uh, sports editor covering Josh Allen and against San Diego State where he mopped us up. It was a, it was a fun one. But, all right, let's get through these uh, thinking about the future. Jump into the offensive rookie, defensive rookie of the year conversation, and then review these games. we got to move quickly. Okay, thinking about the future, this one's pretty self-explanatory, I feel like. Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan's only 35. He feels older than that for some reason. But so like they don't necessarily have to, but his arm just, I don't know. Like he never had an arm that really looks like he would age well. Although Drew Brees didn't either, but he's pinpoint accurate. Matt Ryan, I'm not sure is that they could address it. Lions, Stafford just doesn't look like the Stafford of old. Like I, I think it's only going downhill from this. And again, again, he's not that old. I believe he's 32 uh, or like maybe he's just, I think 32 at this point, but I think you can develop a guy behind him. Bucks, obviously you got Brady for one more year. Saints Colts. Those are all self-explanatory. And then the Steelers as well, as much as Steelers fans hate to hear it. Big Ben's arm is not the same as it was a few years ago. Dude, like, it actually legitimately game. is not with the injury. he had. He talked about retiring in his post-game press conference. And, and I know he does that every time. year. And I know he yeah. does that every year. But if your quarterback is in that position, if you're not at least in the thinking about the future tier, I would. the only disagreement I have here is I think the Steelers should be in the still could, probably should tier. Ooh. That's my take. I mean, looking at 2021, obviously okay. they shouldn't make an upgrade this week. They have to play out this season. They're 11-2, losing two bad games with a bad offense. But next year... I think you still could, probably should, try and make an upgrade at the position, especially if Ben Roethlisberger finishes out the season looking as he has. And if he's not looking playing well. It's a couple of weeks, where, but it drops too, but yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I'm with him. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump to our favorites for Offensive Rookie and Defensive, defensive Rookie of the Year after this short break. 
PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth are teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field, too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that's happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire based on the information provided. In the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts to help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use the code PFF50 and receive 50% off your your first month at MooseFit. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co.com.co. PFF and Action Pro are teaming up. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription Access and one year, 365 days of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made to make avid and new betters better. This is a limited-time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer only applies to first-time Elite Annual subscribers. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser. Products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. <sighs> Mike, the favorite for offensive rookie of the year right now, and this kind of surprised me. By my, at minus four seventy five, depending on the market you get it at, is Justin Herbert, and I know he's played really well. I mean, I think he's setting you know single game passing yard rookie records. But how is it not Justin Jefferson the favorite right now? He's plus three thirty three to win offensive rookie of the year. I put a little cheddar down on Justin Jefferson plus 333. If he breaks Randy Moss's record, single season receiving yards record, which is at 1313, and he has three games to beat it, and I think he can, I think he's a lock. Randy Moss won it that year. Justin Jefferson, I think, would win it this year. But do you think Justin Herbert should still be the favorite to win this award? I think you just have to look at kind of the history of the award, though, and how they end up voting usually. They give pretty strong deference to any quarterback that shows any. Like last year, Kyler Murray won it. A.J. Brown goes for over 1,000 yards, has a ridiculous you know, rookie season. Josh Jacobs as well at the running back position. And then Kyler Murray wins it with like good, not great numbers at the quarterback position. Like They give deference. Dak Prescott beat out Zeke Elliott in their rookie seasons. And like from a value perspective, yeah, but like Zeke was one of, you know, I think he was like top three in rushing yards that year, if not like led the league in rushing yards as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So they give strong deference to quarterbacks. But like you said, if Justin Jefferson breaks the rookie receiving record – they're going to give him rookie of the year. So that, that, those odds right now are a little skewed, in my opinion, are just a little off. I think the defensive rookie of the year odds are spot on. Chase Young, minus 185, the clear favorite. Jeremy Chin, the Carolina Panthers uh, safety at plus 200, who has all of the box score stats and I think the narrative to win it as well. And then kind of a distant sleeper, the only other guy I'd really include in the conversation. I didn't even include another guy in the offensive rookie of the year conversation. It's going to be Jefferson or Herbert. But 
Antoine Winfield Jr. plus six hundred to win defensive rookie of the year. If he turns it on of late, he needs a couple like he needs like a pick Black six, yeah. a couple of fumble sixes, and the Buccaneers to win out. But I think he's a sleeper that I would include in the conversation right now. Though I put money on Chase Young, and at minus one eighty five, you might as well not even do it. Yeah, that one. Chin has a lot of tackles, but also is a ninety five tackles on the year. But that still only ranks like twenty something among. Defense players. Yeah, shitload of forced fumbles. Though. Like if he was if he was really high in the list and also has like a couple touchdowns. I think Young's name brand. Oh yeah. And just from whatever. And then this past week had the similar splash plays with the fumble recovery touchdown. Those highlights to point to in big wins, and you just spilled all over yourself. You <laughs> sloppy son of a bitch. Um, I think it's Chase. It, I, I think this one is mis- Like this one should look more like the Herbert minus four seventy five. Now, obviously, like. If Chin has a couple pick sixes at the end of the year, like only a few plays can sway this one. But I think Young is really a heavy favorite right now, more so than the minus 185 number. Yep. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I just spilled coffee all over my leg. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it for the. I mean, the offensive rookie and defensive rookie of the year conversation isn't all that interesting when you're actually trying to find value in the market and who's going to win it. I think the more interesting conversation is one we had with Tristan Morris and one we talked about. It's like there are other guys that maybe are playing better, but just don't have the narrative or the box score stats to win it. For defensive rookie of the year, I think the narratives and his play has lined up. He's the highest graded rookie defender in football. Yeah. But for offensive rookie of the year, if it was actually a fair man's race, I mean, Tristan Wirfs, Michael Mwenu, those two guys Get have played there. really, really well. And like we said, Wirfs, next three games, was he got Falcons twice and uh, someone else who has no pass rush whatsoever. So they're probably going to be the highest grade right tackle. End up highest grade right tackle. All right, NFL games. Looking at some pro, you know, some rookies to watch and, and see how they're playing, then also make some green line picks here. Go ahead and kick us off. All right. I'm going to highlight some guys we really haven't talked about and guys who showed out this past weekend. I'm going to start with a guy. He didn't actually show up, but he got his first NFL career, career NFL start. It was our highest-rated guard from last year's NFL draft. It was Natani Muti for the Denver Broncos. Now, he didn't do great, mm-hmm. but he looked better than Lloyd Cushberry has for Absolutely. a lot of the season. Uh, so he's going up against the Bills this week. I believe he's going to get another start. Go Natani. Natani like, Mucci, uh, if you watched last week's game uh, on Game it's Pass, watch the All-22, the end zone, end zone look. Going against Derek Brown, I mean, that's just a big dude on a big dude. Fun, yeah. it, it was a fun we, match it, to watch. We, it wasn't announced that he was going to start by the time we did the pod, but if, I wish it would have because that would have been a fun one to break down. It was, it was fun. Uh, my first one is going to be Justin Herbert versus a very, very bad defensive coordinator gone Las Vegas Raiders defense. Raiders favored by three and a half in this one. Yeah. I think Justin Herbert might, might light it up. Like that three and a half number, I don't know. I kind of want to touch it on plus three and a half for the Las, Las, Los Angeles Chargers. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a day. I, I honestly do. That receiving core is underrated. Like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. I mean, he's making other guys look good as well. And I, I, you know, I posted this on Twitter recently, but like every single week, Justin Herbert is making wow throws, throws that other mm-hmm. quarterbacks in this class, other quarterbacks in the NFL simply can't make. And I think against that Raiders defense, there's going to be a lot of open looks and there's going to be a lot of situations where Justin Herbert can really show off. I think. It's not my green line pick this week in the NFL, but I really am excited to watch him beat up on a bad Raiders defense and maybe cover that three and a half number. Yeah. I, uh, and outside of the pick last week and the numbers obviously didn't look great. I thought he was playing efficient football still, like only 5.5 yards per attempt, but I thought he was actually making good decisions there. Um, I'm going to go with my next one, Lynn Bowden Jr., another guy we haven't really talked about. Has gotten some shine the past couple weeks there in the slot for – Miami Dolphins because the Raiders traded him in the preseason. Um, going up against the Patriots, uh, I'm excited to see what he does against a lot of man coverage there. 
I mean, they're doing a lot of crazy things with him. You know, handing him the football, throwing him, you know, dull dump yeah, offs. I mean, he looks good in the open bag. Field. Looks good in the so open good. field. Uh, my matchup is going to be Damian Lewis, who has had a really good season so far, but has had some down games of late, has gotten beaten up a bit by some opposing defensive lines, and he's got another tough matchup this week. Seattle Seahawks and Damian Lewis favored by six against the Washington football team. But let me mind you, over the past four weeks, five weeks, leads the NFL in EPA per play allowed. I think they rank inside top three on the season, and that defensive line mm-hmm. is menacing. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and even on the back end, another rookie to watch in this game, Cameron Curl, who's playing really, really well of late. They have a really good defense. I think Damian Lewis is in for a treat against the Washington football team. I I think I wrote this article before the season that this Washington football team front seven, when like everything comes together, is going to be scary. It's going to be like, Eagles-esque from their championship run. It's going to be Broncos-esque from their championship run. It's going to be utterly dominant because they have the tools there. Ruben Foster is still not even healthy and on the field yet. When he comes back, if that ever happens, big asterisk there. They're going to be pretty scary. I'd love to see them add a linebacker there because John Bostick and they have that, uh, I think that second year player at a UNC that that plays for them. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. Holcomb. Cole Holcomb that's there. Um, I, I think they can make an upgrade at that position and really take that front seven to the next level because the defensive line is hot. It's a lot of guys that are developing really well along that defensive line. Uh, my, my third – or go ahead. My last one here. This guy we didn't get to talk about on Monday's spot because he played Monday night. But Justin Matabuke from the Baltimore Ravens had one of the most impressive performances I've seen from a rookie all season. He had a 90.4 overall grade going up against Cleveland. And all of his wins – Came against Wyatt Taylor or Joel Batonio. Two of the best guards in the NFL. The best guard tandem in the NFL. He was beating up to a tune of a 90.4 overall grade. Had four pressures on 23 pass rushing snaps. If you think back to his time at Texas A&M, so third round pick, Justin Metabuke. Texas A&M, he was the guy who ran hot and cold. Like He had games yeah. where you're like, holy shit, this guy should be you know a first round defensive tackle. And then you have games where it's like, where is he right now? Um, and that's kind of what he's looked like as a rookie. But this game... Get me excited if I'm a Ravens fan. Turn it on. Turn it on. Justin Matabuke, have yourself a day. Last matchup I have here is Justin Jefferson chasing the rookie receiving oh, yards record. The Jags this week. Sorry, I didn't even say that. But yeah, What did you say? He's going up against the Jaguars this week, so that's hopefully if he doesn't if he doesn't beat them up then i'd be a little worried but that's not yeah, that, ja- that that jaguar's interior offensive line is atrocious um justin jefferson versus the jalen johnson another rookie in the bears defense i think the bears are or the vikings are favored by three in this one like on the road against uh the chicago bears but justin jefferson got the best of jalen johnson in their last matchup i think you could see a similar feat this week i know he's chasing that record i know the vikings now with a really long shot to make the postseason let's feed justin jefferson the football here i think there's some rookies to watch you know both jefferson and jalen johnson definitely a game i'm turning on um can i can i start with my green line pick yeah do it my green line pick this week and i like yours as well and i probably put some money on that one and i'll probably put some money on justin herbert but I think the green line pick I'm going to like write up, proverbially write up here, Cowboys plus three at home versus San Francisco 49ers. Buy yourself a point. I think you see it at three, uh, uh, two and a half some places. Buy yourself to that three. Take some of the vig. Take some of the juice. Get to plus three at home. And he don't look really good against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that receiving core continues to look really good. I think at, against the Niners, who have really struggled to put up points. Raheem Mostert, questionable. Um, Debo Samuel out. Uh, great, great. Um, the tight end, George Kittle, still on the injured reserve. Um, Fred Warner banged up. There's a lot of injuries on this on this team for the San Francisco 49ers. Line. I think the Cowboys plus three is what I like. I hate that. You hate it? I, I why, love, why do you hate it? I love the 49ers there. You're telling me Kyle Shanahan 
that run game against the most undisciplined run defense in the NFL is going to end well for the Cowboys. Maybe that's a bad. Maybe that's a bad matchup. Then I'm, I'm just saying. You go ahead and bet it, but I will be taking the other side of that one. My bet this week is Pittsburgh minus thirteen against the Bengals. There aren't a lot of teams I wouldn't take minus thirteen against the Bengals right now. That's just how the Bengals are. Mm-hmm. They're not good. I mean, this is a slump buster week for the Pittsburgh Steelers to yeah. get back on track, figure it out. Yeah, this is like you uh, after that coffee date. You just you need. <laughs> I don't even know what going you're to. I haven't been a thirteen point Tinder favorite in a date right this everything. year. What? I haven't been a thirteen point favorite in a date this year. Okay, <laughs> uh, but this is a big bounce back opportunity for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, moving to the NCAA, instead of going game by game here and going back and forth, I wanted to pivot this segment to just highlight all the big games. There's a ton of big games this week. I think let's highlight all the big games and, and talk about some of the prospects in them. Starting with, I think this game's on Friday night. Oregon at USC. USC favored by three in this game. Turn it on to watch these players on USC. Like, there's a ton of draft prospects inside the top 100, top 150 on our draft board. Maybe not a ton, multiple at least for USC. Keaton Slovis is Anthony Tresh's future number one overall pick, a quarterback there at USC. You have the receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, the guards playing tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, Hufanga, the the linebacker there. I mean, those those are all guys that are playing well right now. I think it'll be exciting to watch this game. Yeah, but they also sneak by every single goddamn week. It seems like they like when you're saying the difference between them and Ohio State. Like they deserve to be 13th. This is a football, <laughs> you just hate USC. A, oh, I do. Yeah, but this is not a this is not a great football team. I'm taking USC minus three in that one. If I had to take, if I had to make a pick, I'm taking USC minus three again against Oregon. Next game here, I think this is the MAC championship. Maction's also being played on Friday night. Ball State at Jarrett Patterson, the running back in Buffalo. Buffalo favored by thirteen and a half. I take Buffalo in this one too. I think they could blow the doors off Ball State. Jarrett Patterson isn't going to be in the conversation for Heisman or Maxwell Award, whatever. But has had a stellar season for Buffalo. Probably not like a high-end draft prospect by any means. Still kind of a small guy. Probably His game probably doesn't translate really, really well to the NFL to a point where he's a day-two pick. But still a fun offense to watch in the MAC. Yeah, they got a really good offensive line. Like That's why they're a 13.5-point favorite. They can roll on any MAC team. That's another one where I'm taking the favorite minus 13.5. If I had to pick Clemson at Notre Dame, baby. Here's my green line pick of the week, even though green line has no edge on this. But Notre Dame, 10.5-point dogs. Are you kidding me? Did we did we all watch the last matchup? They just go go up and down the field on this sorry Clemson defense. Honestly, at ten and a half, I I think about Notre Dame as a pick. Oh, okay, actually, no, Greenlight does have Notre Dame as a value there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, Greenlight has value on Notre Dame at ten and a half. But I I have too I have long I have too long made fun of and roasted. Ian no, Booker say Clemson in a blowout. Say it. Notre Dame team to not take Clemson. So I bottom down to minus ten. And I'm taking Clemson minus 10 this week. That's one of my three green line picks that I'm all picking and parlaying for the for the family. You can't call that a green line pick. Green line doesn't have a value on that. Okay, you it's not a green line pick, AG but it's, it, it's my AG lock. It's my AG lock. I'm going against the numbers. I, 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 I can't wait to sweat this game with you on Saturday. Just I'm going to wear my Clemson gear. I don't have any, but I'm going to buy some, and it's going to be an absolute I hope riot. I'm not sweating. But I hope I'm. Regardless of the line and regardless of the hatred I have for Notre Dame, I don't have hatred for Notre Dame. I just like betting against them. Because of you. Yeah. There's a lot of prospects in this one, too. I mean, it's oh, a prospect yeah. city. You got you know Jer- uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Liam Eikenberg, Mike Jones, who's actually playing in this game. He didn't play in the last matchup. Trevor Lawrence in the same boat, didn't play in the last matchup. Travis Etienne, Xavier Thomas. It, it, there's a ton of talent on both sides of the ball in this one. Tommy Tremble, too, is a tight yeah. end in this yeah. class that I kind of like. Well, uh, 
and then actually the kind of underrated side and the underrated prospects in this one are Notre Dame's defensive line and kind of how they dominated that first matchup. Dalen Hayes and uh, Ade Ogandeji, uh, legitimate late round guys at this point, but late rounders along the defensive line are still guys that can impact outcomes. That's why I'm going Notre Dame in this one. I like Clemson minus 10. All right, Iowa State versus Oklahoma. <laughs> the sixth, the, the best, sixth team. best team in the country, a minus a five-and-a-half-point dog. <laughs> that's how... That's absurd. That's, that's, that's how great they are. And they're at home, too. So Iowa State, a five-and-a-half-point dog is that neutral against side? Oklahoma. Game, right? You have two quarterbacks that are interesting, Brock Purdy, Spencer Rattler, and on defense... Nick Benito and Ronnie Perkins for Oklahoma have played really well this year along the edge. This is a game to turn on, absolutely, just to watch. Oh, it is a neutral site, my bad, sorry. Neutral site, just to watch Iowa State just, I think, get embarrassed here. I don't want to bet on this game. I think Oklahoma has been so hot and cold that it's this could be an interesting one, but I do like like the idea of the sixth best team in the country dropping one against Oklahoma here. What? Who ranks, what, 15th? Somewhere in that range? But uh, Spencer Rattler gives them a chance every single week. It should be a fun game to watch. Yeah, Rattler is the real number one pick in 2022. Spencer Rattler? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he has absurd arm talent. I mean, he's, he's, he's what everyone wants at the quarterback yeah. position right now. Um, you'd like to see him be more consistent, but I still think uh, he's going to get – he has enough to get people excited. Yeah. Northwestern at Ohio State. I saw it. I was, I was on my betting my, – I was with my bookie. And I saw Ohio State line drop from minus 21 to minus 20 and a half. And I backed up the Brinks truck because I don't think Northwestern's coming close to this game. I think Ohio State knows that people are like, oh, you've only played five games. I can't believe it. They bent the rules for you to get in the Big Ten championship. They're going to blow the doors off Northwestern. They're going to absolutely blow the doors off Northwestern this week. Minus 20 and a half is not enough. I bet Ohio State minus 20 and a half. And this is, again, another prospect game to watch. There's a ton of talent uh, on Ohio State. The amount of offensive talent in the Big Ten West is incredible like how how little there is mm-hmm. like there's just like no one's getting drafted <laughs> like you know no, no none of the teams that like northwestern played this year maryland iowa nebraska purdue obviously i have rondale more but wisconsin michigan state illinois none of them have like an offense could you take the damn. best offensive players from all those teams yes. and create a better offense than ohio state no you couldn't that's absurd uh, eh, maybe a better offensive line but then not the better playmakers for sure. Insane. All right, two, uh, three more games here, and then we'll get to my green line picks. We got Tulsa at Cincinnati. Cincinnati favored by fourteen. That's a big number in the American Conference Championship. I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that might be too big. It might be too high because I don't trust Cincinnati's offense. I, I agree, and, and I Tulsa's think they, very good. Defense. I'm not saying they're going to lose a football game, Quinn. I know you're a UC grad. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to lose a football game, but minus fourteen seals like a lot in a championship game for an offense that has been streaky. That is a game that scares me, but you get to watch Zayvon Collins, my guy out of Hominy, Oklahoma, and then you get to watch a, a Cincinnati Bearcats defense that I think had like six players named to the conference, all-conference team or something. Yeah. James Wiggins, Derek Forrest, Ahmad Gardner, Myjay Sanders. They have so much talent on defense. This is going to be a fun game to watch. They do need a statement, though. They need to cover that if they're going to hop from eight. They need a Ohio State loss. They need a Clemson loss to get in there, but they, they need those. If they get those two and they get a statement win... I could see it. You know what they need to do to get ahead of, you know, get ahead in the rankings? Lose Louisiana early in the season. I heard that really helps your your rankings a ton. Uh, well, they're, they're trending upwards, oh, yeah. Iowa State, obviously. Obviously. We were, um, like, clowning them that day, like, about how losing to Louisiana. Like, everyone, they were the laughing stock of college. They were. They looked Brock Purdy looked like ass. Brock Purdy looked like shit. Yeah, like, you can't. Mm, okay. All right, one more game to touch on here. It's Alabama at Florida. 
It's not at Florida. I think it's it, it's. I think that might be neutral site or in in Alabama. Alabama favored by seventeen in this one. Take the points. Yes, Alabama and the points. I as good as Florida's offense has been, mm-hmm. I think. And the, the total on this game is like seventy four or something. Like there, this is going to be an absolute fireworks show. Really one of be. which that I feel like is very one sided. And Alabama rolls, which leads me to my green line pick. I, by the way, turn on Alabama's tape and watch every single player on that team. Josh Joe, Patrick Sertan, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. All these guys have a ton of talent. They're all the draft level, like NFL draft caliber talent on Alabama. And even on Florida's side, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, some important pieces there. Kadarius Tony. This is a great game to watch between two really good football teams. I think Alabama's. I don't want to say problem, but like the reason I don't love 17 there, they don't have much of a pass rush compared to Alabama teams of old. It's probably one of the worst pass rushes probably like since we started grading PFF. So that's worrisome to me when you got a quarterback like Kyle Trask. If you can't affect him, like I said, I think points will be scored and 17 just seems like a big number when you got two teams maybe scoring in the 30s and 40s in this one. All right, here are my green line picks. Your green line pick is Notre Dame plus 10.5. Here are mine. All parlayed. Ohio State minus 20.5. Bang. Alabama minus 17. Bang. Clemson bought down to minus 10. I put. You're the mark. You're the guy who never thinks an upset could happen. Never. Never. Chiefs well, I, minus I mean, 13 I, I, against the Raiders. Dude, wow. these are all. These are all. Yeah. These are all. <laughs> picks that i really like this week and and i'm on a heater yeah i was gonna say you're hot though i can't i'm a heater I, so when you get on a heater what do you do you don't continue to play conservative you double it's a heat check this is a heat check yeah. this is an nba caliber heat check by me parlaying three heavy from favorites the logo right now from the logo yeah from the logo damian lillard from the logo oakland native parlaying three heavy favorites and I can't wait to cash in because when I do, you're going to be the first guy to grab a beer because you're going to need one when Clemson wins by I more than still 10 against I Notre Dame. still haven't gotten my case of beer from Tresh. Um, if he wants, if he's listening right now, he's probably not, but if he's listening and wants to make make that a double or nothing with uh, with Clemson this weekend, we can get on board with that. Sounds fire. All right, that's going to do it for the Wednesday episode of Two for One Drafts. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, download, send to your friends, drop it in a postcard. I don't know what you can do to podcasts these days. Things are changing. Times are changing. But do everything you can. You can't drop it in a postcard? Nope. Interesting stuff. But share it, all that stuff. Make sure you listen and subscribe to Two for One Drafts. We're going to be moving to three episodes a week here soon. Getting into the Senior Bowl, getting into the Combine, draft prospects, actually watching full games of these guys, watching all the way through all their tape, going back to 2019, looking at specific matchups. Huh. I uh, so I got that email about Senior Bowl credentials. I was just like Pavlov's dog. My mouth started watering. Oh was, man, whew, I'm so excited. It, even if we don't make the trip to Mobile this week or this year because of COVID, oh, I'm, I'm still excited. <laughs> I'm still so excited for Senior Bowl season, overreaction season, pro days, combine. All that stuff is so fun. Uh, I cannot wait. Make sure you're listening to Two Four Drafts uh, when it comes to January, February pre-draft season. Uh, until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Two Four Drafts. Yeah.